do two verses again, and I just couldn't do it. I just had to just do one verse again today, or else we'll be here for ages. Um, and so we're going to be doing Psalms 23, part 3, um, which is verse 3. Um, and so I'm going to start from the top, um, from verse 1, and we're just going to read it out. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Everyone say his name's sake. So we're going to do part three today. So he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, something cool when I was reading this is that I realized in the first two verses there is a clear picture of the shepherd green pastures, still waters, and then off the cuff, verse 3, he starts talking about your soul. Have you ever thought about it? Like, because you just read it, and it's like, cool. But like, you can see a clear picture of like, green pastures, you know what that looks like, right? And then you see still waters, you know what that looks like. But then you read, he restores my soul, what does that look like? It's not as clear it is as, as it is in the first two verses. Um, and there's something significant about the verse when looking at the original text. Um, and I pray that you grab something from it. And it's going to be kind of like a teaching moment because I'm going to bring some Hebrew words for us to learn today. Um, and so I want to um, teach you some stuff. Um, so what does, it mean about, um, what does it mean when he says, he restores my soul? Um, he restores in the Hebrew. Have we got that one up? So when it says Hebrew strong H7725, H7, you can literally go on Google and put H7725 and it will direct you straight to the word um, he restores. So it's like a, kind of like an encyclopedia for um, the Bible. And so he restores in um, Hebrew is pronounced as shuv. Everyone say shuv. And look at the meaning. It means to turn back or to return again. Did you see that when it said restore? Think about it. Like He restores my soul. When you think of the word restore, do you think about turning back or to return again? No, you don't know. You don't think about it. No, no, no. I want to teach you a little bit more. There's a, there's a three-letter root word from this, and it's um, these three words. Shiv vav bed. I think that's how you pronounce it. But in translation, it means to again secure oneself to the house. This is all about restoring. Shiv vav bed. To restore oneself to the house. So what is it saying? It's saying this. He restores my soul means that he brings my soul, what? Back to himself back to his family, and back to the family of faith. He restores. The word shuv, or the word shuv also means, is the root word for tishvav, which means repentance in the New Testament, which means salvation. So restore is not just like a refreshing, but it's a returning again back to the house of God, to the house of his family, his whanau. And why is that important? Because just like sheep who wander, 
we also wander and move from the path where God's called us. And this is why we need a shepherd. Because he restores, we're not even up to my soul yet, but he restores, he returns to me again to himself. He restores. And there's, uh, there's a story in the Bible that I thought I'll bring up because it paints this cool picture of God being the good shepherd. And it's in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 4, 1 to 4, and then we're going to skip down to verses 11 to 16. And it shows, that, um, what, it shows a picture of Israel and their bad shepherds, and then God comes into the picture and shows what a good shepherd looks like. Ezekiel 34, 1 to 4 says this, Then this message come, uh, came to me from the Lord, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them the, this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who, feeds, who feed themselves instead of their flock? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. This is important to know what a bad shepherd looks like. And then verse 11 to 16 just paints this picture. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. God himself, my, I myself, will search and find my sheep. Aren't you glad? You'll search and find my sheep. In verse 12, I'll be like the shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and I'll rescue them from the places where they are scattered on a dark and cloudy day. I don't know about you, but if you're going through a dark and cloudy day moment, the shepherd is going to come after you. I think that's amazing. And then it says in verse 13, I will bring them back home. He restores. Do you see this picture? He restores. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the people in the nations. And then he says, I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. That there they will lie down in pleasant places and feed on the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. Remember, God leads us beside what? Still waters? Says the sovereign Lord. And then he says, I will search for my lost ones who are strayed away. He's not talking about just, he's not talking about the ones who don't know him. He's talking about the ones who have walked away. Are we all right? I will search for the ones who are lost who are strayed away and I'll bring them back, them safely home again. What is he saying about safely home again? He's saying, I'm going to restore them, return them back again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful, and I'll feed them. Yes, I'll feed them justice. That's amazing. God is a God of justice. You don't have to do the justice. God will do it for you. Amen? So when David says he restores, he is literally saying he is going to restore you back to himself. And only the good shepherd can do it. Because you know what? What I've realized is that we can't restore ourselves to God. Are we okay? We can't restore ourselves. Only God can. 
Nothing in this life can bring us back to God other than God himself. Can I say that again? Nothing other than God can restore us back to himself. Only God can. Why is that important? It's important because for some reason people think, oh, the pastor can do it, or the leader can do it, or the church can do it. No, we can't. Only God can. I have to make that statement. The truth is only God can restore people back to himself. He is the good shepherd. Are we all right? You guys are quiet. I wrote this last night for somebody. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. This is literally what I wrote. But if you're feeling alone or so far away, I believe God wants to restore you this morning. And not just restore you like a fresh, like a fresh point of his spirit, but he wants to have you return back to him again. And that's the reason why I was praying about fires of rekindling, because sometimes when we go through life, life pushes us on a path where we're not destined to go to, but for some reason in our humanity, we still carry on with that path. And sometimes we just need reminders that we need to be restored again. And not restored just like having the Holy Spirit come over us and we feel the heebie-jeebies, but restoring as coming back to God again. And He can only be the one to restore us. No sermon can do it. No worship team can do it. You sitting down in the pews, listen to this guy right here who is the same as you, human, and going through the same stuff that you're going through. I can't restore you, but Jesus can. That is the greatest message that we can ever tell ourselves is that God can restore me. That when I go off the path that God hasn't led me, God can restore me again because he'll leave the 99 just for the one. Why can he leave the 99? Have you ever realized that? Did you ever ask yourself, wait, so you leave 99 just for one person? So what happens to the 99? Have you thought about it? Or just accepted it? I don't like just accepting things. Um, so <laughs> I was always, I was always, I always pondered on it. Why, why God would you leave the 99 for the one? And remember what I said, uh, I think it was last week of the week, I can't remember. One of the verses, how we said sheep are social animals. You remember that? Sheep are social animals. And so when sheep, sheep are together with other sheep, they're safe. That's the reason why God can leave the 99 for the one. It's not just a spiritual thing, but it's a physical thing too. Like it's, it happens in the natural. When sheep are with a herd of each other, they're fine. It's when they're by themselves that they start fearing, they start doing the things. And that is the reason why men, I'm going to talk to the men specifically, that's why you can't do life alone. That's why men have to be around other men, because if you try to do life on your own and try to fix your problems by yourself, let me tell you, you can't restore yourself. You need God. For our ladies, you guys are superwomen. Okay, you guys are amazing. You guys can do multi, multi things and do amazing things. But let me tell you, you guys can't restore yourself back to himself. None of us can. We need Jesus, but not only that, he puts us in a herd of sheep or cattle of sheep. Was it herd or cattle? I don't know, one of them. But he brings us to a place where we can be with other believers so that we can depend on, it only, on each other as well. We need each other. You need the church. The church is not an afterthought. The church, God died for the church. So I want to remind us that he is the good shepherd, the great shepherd who will never leave us nor forsake us. And so when he says he restores, he's saying, come back to me again. And you know what? 
the truth is that we are all going to be led astray sometimes. Can I be honest with you? We are going to be led astray. Sometimes um, things in our life get the better of us. Has, it, have that, has that happened to you? Like a situation happens and, and, and it gets the better of you. Like it just weakens you so much that you just start doubting. It weakens you so much that you start like, stop. Oh, no, I'm not going to pray now. Oh, I'm not going to read my word. Oh, I'm not going to spend time with Jesus. It weakens you so much so that you can just kind of like, you, you won't class yourself as walking away, but you are. <laughs> and so God is so good that in your walking away, he's looking from far. He's like, oh, no, I need to go after them. And so we have to come back to God and go, God, can you restore me again? Can you restore my soul? And so I want to go over my soul right now, and it's the Hebrews um, strong H5314. I think I've got up there. Um, and it's the word norfesh, meaning to take breath, but it also can be translated to life or living being. Norfesh. So not only does the good shepherd lead us back to himself when we stray away, and not only does the good shepherd leave the 99 to find the one, the shepherd also gives us new life. He gives us new life, and it's like a fresh breath air. Have you ever been to a place, like every time me and my wife, we go to Queenstown, and we love going to Queenstown because it's, nobody know, knows us there. It's the greatest thing in the world. When people don't know you, it is the greatest thing in the world. And so when we go jump off the plane in Queenstown, every time I jump off the plane, I'm like, whoo, it's just the air is just better. I don't know why, um, but it's just better down there. Have you been to a place where you just like smell the air and you're like, whoo, it's just like fresh breath air. That's God. That's, that's what it means. Whoo, a fresh breath air. Oh, taking a fresh breath like, Oh, and you realize how like toxic Wellington is and Auckland is. You know, like you start realizing actually our air is not that great. So the shepherd gives us new life. It's like a fresh breath there. Our old life left us not only dead in our sins. Listen to me now. Our old life not only left us dead in our sins, but it also left us weak, sick, and damaged by our sins. So that's our old life. And it is the good shepherd then who in restoring our souls, what, what do we read in Ezekiel? He binds our wounds. He heals us. He restores us. He heals our sickness. He gives us strength in place of weakness. Because God is not just about restoring part of me. He's in the business of restoring all of me. So God just doesn't just go, oh, come back to me and leave you there. He actually, come back to me. Let me heal your wounds. Let me take care of you. Let me get you to stand again. Because have you been into that place where you're like so weak that you can't just, like you physically can't stand? Have you been to that place before? Has anyone been to that place? You just, you just can't be bothered. Have you been to that place where you can't be bothered? You know what? God comes and restores you, but he, he doesn't keep you in this can't be bothered mood. What he does he starts healing you little by little. He starts restoring you back again so that you can stand again. That's the good shepherd that we serve. He restores 
my soul. He brings fresh breath. He turns me back and he breathes fresh breath in my lungs so that what was is not as before. Like what is now is not what was before. Does that make sense? So God isn't just about restoring part of me, but he's about restoring all of me. Can we go back to verse 3? So he restores my soul. He's turning us back and breathing fresh breath air in us. And then it says, he leads me in the path of, paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is the part of the verse that is important because everyone on this planet isn't perfect. No amens? Yeah? You're sitting to someone who's perfect? Okay, let's, say, let's try this again. Everyone on this planet is not perfect. Amen. Okay, let's try again. Everyone on this earth is not perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's better. And then you go home. No, I'm perfect. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> and you know what? Sheep go astray. Like physical sheep go astray. And can I tell you this? Christians do too. Though you may sin, just like David did many times, you know what? The good shepherd is committed to leading you back to himself. But he doesn't just lead you back to himself. He leads you in the paths of righteousness. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. The term righteousness in the original language signifies this, following moral principles such as honesty, justice, and integrity. So he leads us in a path of honesty, justice, and integrity. So I want, to, I want you to hear this. Just as a shepherd directs his sheep along a proper path, God guides his people on the right course through his word and through the help of the Holy Spirit. But the, the, the beautiful thing about the path of righteousness is that it leads us to salvation. If God leads us to salvation, then when I hear people say, if they're going through like a bad time, right? Oh, God, lead me here. Hey, that doesn't sound like honest justice. That doesn't sound like righteousness. Have you ever heard that people like go through bad times and they said, oh, God gave me the sickness. That doesn't sound like the God that we serve because he leads us on paths of righteousness. You may be sick of circumstance or because of life, but God will always use the very thing of sickness or troubles, whatever it is, to give himself glory and use it as a pedestal for you to go higher and higher and higher, glory to glory, precept and precept. Are we, are we okay? Can we go this? Oh, yeah. So he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Um, when I was going through this, I was finding it weird for myself when God says, for his namesake. So he makes me do the things or leads me to the things to give him glory. That sounds like if I were to do that to Leah, like, Leah, do this to give me glory. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But the, the, the beautiful thing about, the thing about God is that even though he, we do it for his glory, it's for our good. There's something significant about those two words. Is that he does everything for his namesake, 
But even though it's for his namesake, it's actually for our good. So if we put you in worship terms, worship's for God to give him glory. But in the midst of worship, he transforms us for our good. Do you notice, like, every time you worship, there's an exchange that happens, but God doesn't have to exchange anything in worship. Why? Because he's God, and he doesn't need to. But for some reason, when we give him glory for his namesake, he gives an exchange of himself to us that we actually don't deserve. So when, we do so, when God says do something, it's for his namesake, but it's also for your good. So when God says don't have sex outside of marriage, I have to talk about it because I wasn't good. It, it's not only for his namesake, but it's for our good. Why? Because then if we keep doing it, what the world does, you can sleep with anyone you want to. What does it create? It creates soul ties throughout all generations. And they start realizing that things get attached from them, curses from other people that just get attached from them. And so they think they can come to a marriage thinking that everything of their past will go away, but it can't go away without the blood of Jesus. And I learned this the hard way, and many people do. And so even though it's for his glory, it's for my good. And so when God says don't do something, what he's saying is like, it's for my glory, but it's for your good, so that you'll be safe. And so with the path of righteousness, there is safety on the path of righteousness. Can I say that again? There is safety on the path of righteousness. There is wisdom on the path of righteousness. There is peace on the path of righteousness. There is hope in the path of righteousness. There is justice in the path of righteousness. There is freedom in the path of righteousness, but then there is also warning signs in the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness doesn't take away the bad times, hurt, storms, or tribulations, but it secures us within God to keep on going. The path of righteousness it's not like all daisy roses. It's actually really hard. But in the path of righteousness, he keeps us safe. There's always justice. There's always, always freedom. There's always peace. There's always hope. And so even in the monks, our situation and all the things that we may be going through, God secures us. Why? Because we're on the path of righteousness. And so you need to ask your question in, in your own life, am I walking this path of righteousness? Because if life is really easy for you, let me tell you, you probably are not in the path of righteousness. Is, is that, no, yeah? Because narrow is the gate. <laughs> wide is the gate, right? Everyone's going through the wide gate because the wide gate's so easy. But the narrow gate is the only way towards God. And the narrow gate is the path of righteousness. So we need to ask ourselves, am I allowing God not only to restore my soul, but am I letting him lead me on the path of righteousness for his namesake? Because if I'm not, then I need to re-examine my life and say, God, I'm so sorry for not letting you lead my life the way it should be. And let me tell you, it is hard. It is very hard. But you know what? The truth is, there's safety. Let me say it again. There's safety in the path of righteousness. There's wisdom. There is peace, there is hope, there is justice, there is freedom, there is warning signs. There is everything good about God for our good, but for his glory, the path of righteousness. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake.
Can I encourage you this morning? God is committed to you and your journey. God is. Sometimes I'm going to fail you, and I'm going to admit that. As your pastor, sometimes I'm not going to agree with you, and sometimes you're not going to agree with me. That's fine, 100%. That's why God's created us to be different. Sometimes that um, I want to do something that annoys you. Sometimes you're going to do something that annoys me. You know what? That's great. Cool, we're different. But you know what? God will always remain the same yesterday, today, forever. He will never let, us, never let us down, and he's always for you, and he's always committed to your journey. Even when times when I'm sleeping and you're trying to call me and it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm not waking up, you know what? You can call upon the name of the Lord, and he can, <laughs> he can be with you in the moment. Because you know what? I'm not answering the call at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Unless it's urgent. Yeah, Leah calls me at 11 o'clock. Sully, you're up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day. It's not like we see each other every day, eh? Far. We need to choose each day to either go back to him or choose to go, God, can you restore my soul again? And if you feel like you are just, just away from God, just go to God, God, can you restore my soul? Because you're, you're acknowledging that you need the shepherd to lead you back. Are you okay? We need to choose each day to follow God's lead because he will always lead us in the path of righteousness. He will never lead you to sin. Can I say that again? God will never lead you to sin. Ever. There's so many circumstances I can think of that, that, that sin occurs and they think it's God. God will never ever lead you to the dark places. God will never, ever lead you to sin or make you sin. He will never, ever lead you that way. He will always lead you with honesty, integrity, and justice, always, because that's part of righteousness. He will make sure that you're right standing with him always. And so we need to look and examine our life and go, God, am I letting you lead my life in righteousness? And if I'm not, can you help me and lead me in righteousness? And that's all you need to do. There's, no, there's actually no formula. There is no, there is no, like, what do you call those programs, those courses? Courses in that are great, and I love courses, but that truly is not what's going to push you in the right path. It's having an encounter with Jesus where it's authentic and real that changes the trajectory of your life. It's not a course. And so I want to encourage us today. Ask God to lead you in the path of righteousness. Though it's for his glory and his namesake, it's for my good. Are we okay? Time. I don't want to be long today. Does that make sense, everybody? Can we go to verse 3 again? Let's read, it. Let's read this out together and solidify. On the count of three. One, two, three. I pray that these words will resonate in your heart throughout this week. And as we unfold um, verse, uh, chapter 23, that God will just become more real and that he becomes the clear shepherd always lo- that you've always longed for. Trust me, everyone's longing and groaning to have this relationship with Jesus. They just need to unlock. And I just pray that there'll be an unlocking for you today, that you'll go to God and go, God, restore my soul, but also help me, lead me, lead me in righteousness for your namesake. And for my good. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word.
I thank you that you let it sit within our spirits and within good soil, that, Lord Father, will produce beautiful fruit. I thank you, Lord Father, that you're leading us in righteousness, and we're choosing you to lead us in righteousness. And so, Father, we just honor you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people say, amen, amen.